In 2008, Chad and Sharice Lunt welcomed their third child, a little girl named Lucy, into their family. They didn't realize then just how much their world was about to change. Unbeknownst to the Lunts at the time, Lucy was soon diagnosed with a severe neuromuscular condition. At the time, Lucy wasn't expected to live beyond 18 months of age. Today, she is 15 years old. Chad and Sharice Lunt live in Menlo Park, California, where they are raising their three children. They both attended BYU and have worked in the Bay Area for the last 16 years. Lucy, their youngest child, was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy shortly after birth and despite requiring a lot of work, blesses their family with peace and perspective. This is All In, an LDS Living podcast where we ask the question, what does it really mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm Morgan Pearson, and I am so honored to have Chad and Sharice Lunt on the line with me today. Chad and Sharice, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. So I feel like I should give a little bit of background for those listening as to how I know Chad and Sharice, because my love for them will probably be be very apparent throughout this interview. But Chad and Sharice were in my stake in California, where my husband and I recently moved from, and they are absolutely incredible people. And I learned so much just from watching them. It's not the things that Chad and Sharice, they don't go around telling people how great they are. Instead, you just watch and you observe. And so I am excited today to make them talk a little bit about themselves and their family. Um, But to start us off, I wondered if you could tell listeners the story of how your daughter Lucy came to be diagnosed with SMA. And if you could also maybe give a little bit of background about what SMA is, if you had to sum it up briefly. Okay. I can start with the, the kind of diagnosis story because I've told it a lot of times. We we had just moved to California and we had Down and Josie. Lucy was born on Josie's third birthday. And Lucy was born. She passed all her newborn screenings. In hindsight, we there are a lot of things that we just didn't realize were kind of big things, but she was born typically a healthy baby with no issues. She always kind of had trouble latching on when she was nursing. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a, a long time where every night Chad and I would take turns taking her on drives because she was just, we thought that she was just colicky and So those were some of the things that we had kind of noticed. And about at three or four months, we noticed that she was a little bit floppy. So like when I would hold her on my lap, like after a few minutes, her head would kind of flop to the side. And when we would put her on her tummy, she would just, just lay there. And I didn't, I never thought that it was something big, but when I took her to, I think her four month well child appointment, I just mentioned it to her doctor and her doctor said, well, just show me, like put her on her tummy and show me what you mean. So I put her on her belly and I could tell that she was thinking about like what it could be. And she asked if she could step out for a minute. So she stepped out of the clinic and she was gone for a few minutes. And when she came back in, she said, I want you guys to meet with a neurologist next week. And so we set up an appointment for the next week. And during that whole week, Chad had done some research and 
Do you want to tell that part? Sure. Uh, so uh, I'll start off. Thank you for the very generous words at the introduction. <laughs> but, uh, jumping back, you know, just doing some online research on some of the symptoms that I, we came across or I came across spinal muscular atrophy and some of the typical symptoms and just had a very strong impression that this was this was likely it and and encouraged Sharice or I guess kind of I don't know if demand demanded is probably a strong word but requested that she include this in the tests that would be run by the neurologist um, yeah and, and he also had sent an email out to family saying like Lucy could have a potential you know, diagnosis, like, please, please play for her. And I remember calling my sisters and saying, I think he's crazy. Like, I don't, I don't know why he would think this, but, but it's, it's a little crazy to me. And Mm -hmm. so when we went in for the appointment the next week, he had sent me a text. And while we were in the office with the neurologist, she was kind of like hitting her knee with a little reflex hammer And we were just kind of talking through kind of like some of the things that we had noticed. And while I was in the office, I got a text from Chad and he said, make sure she checks for spinal muscular atrophy. So I showed her my phone and I said, my husband really wants you to check for this. And she says, oh, I really hope not, but let's just include it in like in the panel. And so she, she did. And we went downstairs and, you know, did the labs and then went home and we had to wait a couple weeks for the results. And when, when the doctor called us for the results, she just said, can you guys meet with us on Friday? And it happened to be a day that Chad didn't have work. So we met with her, we went to a different office, which would have been a big clue that something, you know, they had something big to say to us. So we went to a different office. It was just Chad, me and Lucy. And they had set us in a room and the neurologist came in and after our pediatrician came in and that's when I knew like, Oh, this is, this is going to be big news. And, and then they just jumped right in and said, Lucy has spinal muscular atrophy. And while they were saying like, we're so sorry, I still didn't really know what, what this would mean for our family but Chad did like he already had known what the diagnosis was. He had researched or at least had known like some of our future and I didn't. And so that is, that's how we, that's how we found out. And before Chad saw the spinal muscular atrophy and had that impression, had anybody mentioned that it could be that? No, it's actually, it's actually a really hard diagnosis because they usually will test for other diagnosis before they, it's kind of worst case scenario. Right. Mm-hmm. So Chad, do you feel like because you had researched and stuff, were you, did you feel more prepared to receive that news? It's, you can't prepare for that. You just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it, it was just... You know, you maybe you brace a little bit. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it other than I just kind of was there and and felt the moment. And anyway, it was it was heavy news. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And at that point, Lucy, the life expectancy for someone with SMA was how much time? We didn't, we didn't really know when they, when she was first diagnosed, they said about a year to 18 months. But then we went, when we met with a specialist, it was about 90% of children don't live past two. Mm. 
Okay. And how I just am thinking about myself with a new baby and how scary that would be for me. How scary was that for you all as young parents? And did you ever feel like you had thoughts of why her, why us? And how did you approach those thoughts? So first question, how, how scary was it? With the perspective of the gospel, there, your worst fear isn't death, if that makes sense. Your worst fear is, can you live up to this humongous challenge? Do I have it in me? Mm-hmm. So that, that was the fear. That was the, the concern for me is, is the amount of work and, and challenge and heartache for your family and your other two children to, to be stoic and show optimism and confidence and, and faith when you're managing a pretty challenging pretty challenging thing. So I think that was the first question is, as far as how scared. And then what was the second question? Sorry. Second question was, did you ever have thoughts no. of why her, or why us? Yeah, I, I didn't process that question until maybe four years later when, when someone who was doing a recording about Lucy asked us that question. We, I didn't really have those questions then, but I did I did have the thought when they asked us that you know thinking about thinking about it after having some years of perspective and I don't want this to sound more than it is but the kind of the, the thought kind of came to me of why not us in that we had you know maybe Sharice will say something different but I felt like we had a good marriage we had two healthy children who loved and and encouraged Lucy we had a stake in ward community who loved us and sacrificed and 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 helped us. We had loving and supporting family, some who lived close during that time to to be with us and care for us. We had wonderful, faithful examples on both sides with parents, and we had a community in state and county and school resources that are unparalleled that have have been a huge blessing to her. So. Again, maybe not as raw as in the moment thinking that, but when I've thought back on that question, that's the that's the question that's the answer that I can't get away from is is there's so much that makes sense and it's right about it considering everything. You know, we have friends in the same SMA community who who don't have it as good as us uh, with right. regard to the, what to what we're saying. For me, it was absolutely terrifying. I had never, I think neither of us had have anyone in our families who've had a life-threatening diagnosis. I grew up in a small town where there wasn't a lot of diversity. And so I'd never been around someone, you know, with Lucy's like level of medical needs and physical disabilities. And so, and, and we didn't, we, I don't have any medical background. Chad doesn't have a medical background. The entire thing was just terrifying because there was so much to learn. Like the learning curve was so steep. I remember the first time, the well, after Lucy had her first appointment with her neuro doctor, just a couple of days later, like two machines showed up at our door and there was no one to show us how to use them. So it, so we did a lot of things on our own and I had to figure out all the insurance stuff all by myself. And like, it, it was 
really absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I feel like that's very relatable because that is exactly how Beej and I would be in that situation. Like, I don't even know where to start. Can you tell listeners about the care required for Lucy now and kind of just a brief background on how many surgeries she's now undergone? Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting how her care changes as she ages because she has more of a say in her care as she gets older. But Lucy is, she's completely dependent on us for everything. So that means like from, you know, doing her hair to applying her makeup to breathing treatment, suctioning her, positioning her body in ways that are comfortable or that are like, that will prevent her from choking or her airway from closing up. She needs to be watched 24 seven. So we have nurses that help us if we, if we don't have nurses and it's us through the night. I'm trying to say it without any emotion, but Sharice has literally, if not figuratively, mostly literally and almost single-handedly carried this child back from death for 15 years. It was mostly her in the hospitals while I was home with the other children, managing through some very intense, intense care in the pediatric intensive care unit at Lucille Packard Children's Hospital. She has navigated and spoken with medical professionals and 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 been the hands and feet and eyes and neck. She has been everything to Lucy. And it has been amazing to watch. I'm, you know, I I find myself, you know, (laughs) standing on the sidelines as I watch Sharice push Lucy on a half marathon. (laughs) I I find myself trying to keep up as, as she provides access to the entire world. Lucy and she does it by advocating at school, at church, at everywhere. Sharice has given her entire existence to allowing this little girl to access the world. And I take no credit. And it has been it has been amazing to watch. Well, it's a good thing that I'm not on video right now because <laughs> I am I'm getting emotional right there with you, Chad. For those that don't know Lucy, I will give my perspective of what Lucy is like as a teenager. Lucy loves makeup. Lucy loves Taylor Swift. Lucy is working on multiple books at the same time. And she sang at our Ward's 4th of July breakfast, a solo. She's incredible. And so I wondered, how have the two of you approached a situation where you don't ever know, I guess none of us know how much time we have with anyone, but in her situation, you don't know how much time you'll have with her, but you also want to encourage her to live her life to the fullest. And I'm curious how the two of you have have managed to do that because you've done a beautiful job of it. Well, I think it's actually 
kind of a scary thing to send her out into the world just from a medical perspective. Like we worry about her getting sick. Even a common cold could be fatal. And so our life, it feels like we're always living on the edge and just socially, like socially it's so difficult. Um, and, and, and also our world is not a really accessible, (laughs) accessible world. And so there are a lot of challenges, but we try really hard to let Lucy live the life that she wants to live and, you know, provide opportunities and experiences for her. And so she, she kind of leads the way. I think that it really helps that she has older siblings so she can see kind of what, what to do in life. Like I remember her first day of kindergarten, I was shaking. I was so nervous to send her to school. And she told me, mom, what's the big deal? Like, I'm just, I'm just going (laughs) to kindergarten. Like it's, it's okay. And so I think that Lucy's a huge advocate for herself and that really helps us support her and you know, what she really wants to do. Right. Another, another thing I wanted to touch on is Lucy is very smart and there've been a couple of times, like you said, Sharice, where she has advocated for herself. I wondered if you could share with listeners a little bit about how Lucy has used her intellect and, and how you've encouraged her to do that. Well, I think when you have certain limitations, like, like for someone who maybe is not able to see, they will use their ears or other senses. And, and I think with her, her body's not able to do a lot on its own, but her mind, her mind is free. I would say. Right. And so she, she, yeah, she uses it. Like she's very witty and she's very funny too. Sure. One of the two of you should tell about her writing Tim Cook. Oh yes. Yes. So the Apple products, So on Lucy's power chair, she has a joystick and that joystick, she can connect to different devices. She can change the position of her chair. She can change the speeds of her chair. She can connect the joystick to different devices and use it as her mouse. And we can program all different types of settings for her to, you know, click right, click left or scroll. And all of the Apple products, it was just not user-friendly and it had this line that would slide across a screen and you'd have to select it when it would pass. And then it would, once you select, it would scroll the other way and you'd have to just pinpoint it. It was just really frustrating for her to use. And so she had created a presentation and the first slide was her with this big sombrero and (laughs) that was her first slide. And then her second slide, I, I have a copy of the, the letter, but it was like, the iPad could be better. And she described like I Apple product user, but on my power chair like this, I'm not able to use it. And so she, she asked me to post it on my social media. So I did. And many of our friends that work for Apple had suggested that we just send it right to Tim Cook. So we did, and we got an, an, an immediate response and they were so kind and asked us if we could, you know, download some of some software so that they could kind of follow with what she was experiencing and how they could make it better. And, um, it was really exciting because I'm, I, well, I'm sure she wasn't the only person who submitted this request, but it was the next iOS upgrade that it came out. So now 
when she uses the iPad and her phone with her joystick, it is just like you and I using a computer. It's just so much better. But yeah, she's, she's not afraid to let people know what she needs and wants. And I love that about her. When you were talking, Sharice, I remembered you telling me about how she also wrote the college board trying to get uh, her nurse to be able to help oh, her yes. in on her test. Uh-huh. And then Beej is listening to me do this interview from across the room. And he texted me and said, Lucy also spoke in front of the school and had Josie read her speech like oh, boss. Yes. <laughs> so we're all, we're all Lucy fans. Cause we're all so impressed by her. Yeah. Um, well, with her, with her, uh, her graduation speech. So she submitted that speech and when she was writing it, I had some ideas that I thought would be kind of an interesting perspective from her. And she basically told me that they were lame, that she didn't, she didn't want to use any of my advice. <laughs> and then when, she, when we recorded it, so we could decide because she could use the voice on one of her devices, which are a little bit robotic, or we could use a, a life, some, someone that she knows, one of our voices. And so I recorded, I recorded reading her speech and Josie recorded reading her speech and Josie for sure won. She said mine was lame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've both, you've both done a lot for, I feel like the SMA community. You've been huge advocates, not only for Lucy, but for others that have, have SMA and just disabilities in general. How has that advocacy blessed your life? I think... I don't know if it's the experience that I've, that I've been able to have caring for Lucy, kind of the perspective that it's given me, but I think having to advocate for her and kind of fight for a lot of things that she needs, I think has, I hope has developed a lot of skills (laughs) in and abilities and, and confidence. So I think that, yeah, I think that confidence would be one that, you know, even if I don't know exactly what to say or how to get something, I know that if I keep trying and, you know, persevere or I'm persistent, that I'll be able to accomplish, accomplish whatever I'm trying to accomplish, whether it's, you know, getting a piece of equipment for Lucy or getting a service for her or, you know, asking for something that she really needs at school. Or being interviewed on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's a skill of mine, but but yeah, just being able to kind of just give perspective because I think it's important to have lots of different perspectives. And I think that, you know, being able to, to communicate our experience and our perspective, I think just kind of adds to kind of what people understand and kind of think about. Yeah. Well, one thing that has stuck with me from a conversation that we had previously was you told me that before you used to wonder about quality of life for someone that was in Lucy's situation. But then you said something to the effect of, I've realized to Lucy, she has a great life. Mm -hmm. And I wondered for both of you, what would you say makes Lucy's life great? I think that, you know, Lucy, one, one thing that I've learned is that, um, like people like Lucy that have, you know, very comp- complex situations or needs, they, 
behind it all, they're, they're just human beings and all the things that make, you know, our life's great and your life great is the same things that make her life great. Like her, you know, relationships with her family, with her community, access to the world, to the things that she's interested in, her hobbies, her interests, like they all contribute to her life. And, and something I always have to remember is that, and I'm learning more as she's getting older and kind of tells me to back off on most things is that things that I enjoy about life are different than what she enjoys about life. And so it's, it's made me have to kind of step back and let her take the lead on, you know, deciding what makes her life great or what she would like to do in her life. The only thing I would add to that is in, in addition to all the things that Sharice mentioned, she also, um, she also likes to work hard and then succeed. So mm-hmm. she'll, she's in a geometry class right now. And, and, uh, as you can imagine math as a concept without being able to count and touch and, and move things is a little bit of a unique challenge for her. And so we watched her study and, study all night and she would ask us to come in and we would quiz her and then she did really well on a test. And so just like for all of us working hard and achieving something, she, she does that too. So, so she's, uh, you know, in spite of all making it happen. She's, she's awesome. What would you say? So you mentioned earlier the support of your ward and community. What have you learned about ministering in the Savior's way as you've experienced the ministering of others around you? Something that I've learned through other people's ministering or, you know, serving us is that it, it never needs to be something big or something <clears throat> super thoughtful. It can just be, Hey, I'm praying for you guys or just a, a popping in to say hi, or just thinking of us. And so that's helped me realize that I don't need to, you know, cook an elaborate meal for somebody and I don't need to make a quilt or, you know, anything that's time consuming that it's just, it's just like the kindness and being thoughtful and genuinely loving and caring for others that is really, is really ministering. I would say it it seems like when someone approaches you and wants to have a conversation about something hard you're going through, it's human nature to kind of want to compare and relate to to that other person through what you perceive to be a similar challenge or similar trial or comparable challenge. And, and I think that I remember early on people would, would share their problems with us and then they would feel bad for sharing them with us because, oh, but, but, but what you're dealing with is so much worse. And I, I think that what, what I've learned from that is that it doesn't matter the magnitude or scale of the problem to some extent. It's just you're going through something hard, too. And, and so, you know, as you compare it to the Savior who has experienced all of those, no matter the magnitude or scale, um, he's, not, he's not tempering or... or or reducing his care in the same ratio of the severity of your challenge. He's just, he's loving you. And he's, he's, he's saying that's hard and I'll be there with you. And, and anyway, maybe too many words, but that's how I felt about it is that I've just learned that 
people are going through hard things and hard is hard. It doesn't matter if it's a situation like Lucy's or, or you didn't get a job that you wanted. Like if someone's, if someone's hurting and, and is going through something hard that, that, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, measure the, the care or the sympathy or empathy that you're, you're sharing that hard is hard. Anyway. Absolutely. I think that's such a good point. I think Sharice, your point was so good as well. I think that's one thing that I learned from the ward that we were in together is that ministering looks a lot of different ways and you can bring the thing that you're good at or the the way that it feels comfortable to you to minister, you bring that. You don't have to do something that's, you know, terribly out of your comfort zone in order to minister. But I did want to share, speaking of getting out of your comfort zone, I hope you guys don't mind. Those listening will have just recently heard Elder Dane speak in general conference. And one of my favorite stories about somebody ministering to Lucy is the story about Elder Danes uh, ministering to her. Can you share that? Okay, I'll share the story that, that I shared. He, we have actually so many of him ministering to our family and to Lucy, and they're just darling. But the one that you were remembering, so Lucy had just had her spinal fused and a couple of rods placed in her back and her pelvis. And so it was this big surgery. He, after she had come home, he had texted me and said, what, what is Lucy like? And so of course she likes, you know, face products and beauty products. And, um, so that's all I said. And I think he came by like that day or the next day. And it was so cute. He had, and like I said, I could, I can just imagine him. Maybe he knows and he goes to Sephora or, you know, (laughs) but I was thinking he was probably like at a CVS or a Walgreens, like walking around looking for these beauty products, but he had purchased two face masks and some chapsticks and he had a little gift bag and he had them inside the gift bag. And then do you know how the wrapper sometimes you'll usually like stuff it in. So it kind of (laughs) out like flowers. He had it like folded nice and neat and just slid inside. (laughs) It was like the most loving, endearing, like act of love. And, and he brought it over. And of course he sat with her and chatted with her and Anyway, she just she just loved that and it it just felt so sweet that he would be thoughtful and you know bring that over to her and show her love. Hey, that's such a good example of mm-hmm. of a stake president seeking to serve the one and I heard a lot of those about Elder Danes during our time there. Another question that I had for you related to ministering is what have you learned about ministering in the Savior's way from getting to minister to and serve Lucy? I think for me, I've learned that some of the people that a lot of the people who need ministering the most are hardest to get to, if that makes sense. So in Lucy's situation, to, to truly minister to her, you have to meet her where she is. You know, she has a lot of chronic pain. She gets really worn out from just going to school every day. It's very hard for her to get to young women's. It's really hard for her to go to church sometimes or do anything, you know, after school that's social or where she would kind of run into to people in the community. And, but she still needs 
you know, she still needs others. And so that it's helped me kind of understand or just maybe pay attention or kind of look for, for those who you don't see often. And I think also another, another lesson that I've learned is that minister, like ministering, it just can be so, so different for, for every different person, if that makes sense. So like the ways that Lucy would either, you know, need or want to be served and loved would be, you know, different than somebody else. And so it's made me more aware or be more thoughtful about, you know, the people that I'm interacting with and how and what they need, I guess would be how I would describe it. By serving Lucy, I have learned that there's so much opportunity for incredibly practical and pragmatic outreach or ministry to people that, that uh, I find that the most satisfying are things that are, it's seldom, it's seldom a prepared message. It's mostly, Oh, you, Oh, you need that from the grocery store. Becoming someone that, someone trusts they can call and ask for something. I don't know if that makes any sense, but makes perfect but, sense. But just being, being low key enough for them to think I can call Chad for that or, or, or if Lucy can say without worrying about my response, Hey, can you, can you scratch my nose or can you, <laughs> can you adjust my arm? Yeah, I can do that. And and so I, that, I guess that's what I would say is, I want, I think one way I can minister like the savior is being the, yeah, I can do that guy. <laughs> anyway. I love that. That's such a good thought. You have two older children. You have a son currently serving a mission in the Birmingham, Alabama mission. Shout out to Dallin and a daughter that just started school at BYU. What impact do you think having Lucy as a sibling has had on your older children? I think it's, I think it's still pending. I think, (laughs) I think that we don't even recognize or it's hard to know the magnitude of the effect that it has had on them. Like we know what it has had a major impact on them. But I think the maybe more obvious things that I've noticed is like when, as when Josie, even when she was little, little, she's always been very protective of Lucy and also very in, including of Lucy. And that doesn't just extend to a Lucy. It, it extends to friends at school or if she sees someone who is kind of shy or off to themselves, she wants to include them. I remember going to the movie theater once and we were, you know, just walking out after the movie and I couldn't see Josie. And so I you know, looked around and she was behind me and she had noticed somebody in a wheelchair that was trying to get through the door and she had run to open it and hold it open for them. And Dallin, when he was in middle school, he never told me, but he had volunteered to go to, for his PE period, he had volunteered to go to the PE class that had all the kids with different disabilities so that he could, you know, interact and help them, which he never told me. The PE teacher had told me when I ran into him. So I I know that it has affected them in many, many ways. But I, it's, like I said, I think that as they get older and can process a little bit more, they'll mm-hmm. be able to communicate more of what it has meant to them and kind of what, how it has shaped them. <laughs> because we, it they've, it's been their whole lives. You know, Josie was three, Dallin was five. 
So it's, it's hard to measure a difference. It's just how it's always been. Yeah. Chad, would you add anything to that? I would say things that I've seen and then things that I hope to see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> things I have seen, I, I know that they believe in prayer. I've seen, I've seen, you know, in, in really tense, tense times, them suggesting and, and, uh, requesting prayers for help. And, and we've been able to recognize together when those answers came, I've seen, I've seen them do the same thing for, uh, blessings and things like that. So I know that, I know they believe in prayer. And, and I think that anyone, you know, most, most, I, I think that that is not necessarily unique to us. I will say that the the intensity of Lucy's care and situation has has prompted or or made the the timing and and speed of the response perhaps more noticeable. Another one is I know that they know the plan, and that has that has been again life has a way of life has a way of kind of securing and and confirming the plan but but i know they know it and and i'll say probably until they were 13 13 or 14 anytime you were alone with them or there was a quiet moment or you would see them start to look contemplative and then you would see their eyes get misty and then they would say mom or dad is lucy gonna die and it was surprising how frequently they asked that, but in every instance from when we came home from uh, that prognosis that we talked about at the beginning of the call till, till now, Sharice and I were able to teach and testify about this plan. And so that, that's one of the I hopes is that I, I hope they believe it at this point that there's nothing more important or yeah, than to Sharice and I. And, <laughs> and as a result, I hope that uh, at a minimum, they know we believe it. And then, and then, you know, hopefully at this point in their lives, uh, they believe it. Well, I want to, I want to come back to that, um, how our beliefs as Latter-day Saints have, have impacted your family and blessed your family. But before we get to that, I also wanted to ask, well, first of all, watching your family was really incredible to me and Beej. I think as a newly married couple, we paid a lot of attention to different couples in our ward and the way that all of you served. And I feel like in your case, you could very easily get a pass. You could, you know, nobody would fault you for saying, you know, that calling might be too demanding or I can't go and do this. But you all were always serving, whether with an assignment or a calling or without one. How have you approached managing the demands of caring for Lucy while also seeking to serve others? I, I Chad and I were talking about this before, and I don't, I don't feel like I serve. I get, to, I get the opportunity to serve a lot outside of the home. I feel like inside of the home, I do a lot. But when I get a chance to do something for someone outside of the home, it's really exciting. And so, um, and I guess, you know, service can come in all different ways. If you're not going to correct her, I will, Morgan. 
So the it, it, there isn't a woman in our ward or stake who doesn't want to go on a walk with Cherise. <laughs> you know what I mean? She is so positive and and she just she's so encouraging and and she's like the breath breath of fresh air. I, I think that I probably it's probably triple digit number the people that she just goes on walks with and lifts up and. <laughs> well, and, I and, uh, I was gonna say the very first person I think that reached out to me in the ward was Sharice. And so you can try to downplay this all you want, Sharice, but it's not going to work. <laughs> well, it doesn't feel like service. It just feels like I have all these friends and <laughs> go do something I love together. And, and I'll give you another example. So I was just recently called to a new calling and, and as a result of it, got to, got to interview with, well, I didn't get to interview with, I was introduced to our visiting authorities. And then Sharice was, interviewed for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And this has happened in every calling that I've had where they'll somehow learn of our situation and our, and, and the requirements on us. And, and Sharice will say, my family needs those blessings. So we'll do it. And never mind what I'm doing. <laughs> never mind what I'm doing while Sharice is at home carrying this large load so that I can serve as needed it's she's she she knows that she knows that when we choose to serve the lord there are blessings there and so she has made that possible for our family uh that we can both serve in the church and also keep it together so to speak <laughs> in in the rest of real life so anyway for sure well i i think it's one of those things where you know, when somebody's just a natural at something, they don't even, they don't even know they're doing it. That's how right. Cherie says. Right. Um, before we get to our last question, I did, I wanted to ask you, what does our belief as Latter-day Saints about the resurrection mean to your family as a result of being lucky enough to have Lucy? Mm, I think that it's, it's everything. Like the resurrection, like it doesn't, we actually, we talk about the resurrection a lot. Like Lucy and I were talking about it the other day and it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't downplay her earthly experience because her earthly experience is important. It doesn't make it less hard than it is, but it, I do think that it softens, softens the unfairness or the, you know, the challenges of her life. Like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't try as hard to make this life experience the best that it can be and be positive and, you know, create every opportunity that we can. But, but it really does mean everything. Like, like I said, we, when we're, even when we're just playing around, I'll be dancing in her room and I'll say, what kind of dancing do you think you're going to do? or I'll just ask her questions about you know, like her resurrected body. And we just have a, it's just part of our normal conversations, but yeah, it's, it's something that we really look forward to. Chad. You know, the, the resurrection is certainly part of it. And, and it, and for someone whose body doesn't work the way that ours does it, it, it's extra beautiful to think about that reunion. Yeah. Kind of that physical reunion in that way. I'll be, a, I don't know, <laughs> weirdly enough, I'll be a little sad. 
hopefully you're editing out all this emotion. But <laughs> um, weirdly enough, I'll be a little sad because I won't have my girl to hold or or uh, or take care of. But in addition to the resurrection, all of it, right? All of it is what is what propels us. So anyway, um, yeah, definitely. You know, the resurrection is it. It creates a beautiful picture in our mind, but. You know, it's it's who Lucy is and who she's becoming and how the gospel has shaped that that makes me the most excited to see her again uh, after this life. And actually, well, the the when when we came home from Lucy's diagnosis, like the the resurrection or the plan of salvation is what we is how we told Down and Josie kind of what was going on. We've always been very open with them on the entire situation, but that was like Chad, I think he still has it in his journal, but he drew like a little basketball team and talked about, this is our team. And (laughs) like, we're always going to be a team. And even if one of us, you know, goes to the, leaves this life before, like we're still a team and this is what the atonement and the plan of salvation is. And so it's always been a big topic in our home even though, like I said, it doesn't downplay this life experience. It's not like we want to hurry and get this over with so we can do this better thing. It's, it's all important. Well, and I think that was to me, the message of president Nelson's conference talk Mm -hmm. about think celestial was this life does matter. And Mm -hmm. Yes, we have an eternity to look forward to, but there are things that we can do to make the most of this life and that we've been given. And And I just want to, I, I know that it probably sounds at this point like I am a fangirl, but that is because <laughs> I am. And I just want to compliment the two of you on the incredible job that you've done of that. And thank you for your example my last question for you is what does it mean to you to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah, sure. I, 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 I try and, you know, well, anyway, I'll just, I, I want it all. Like I want, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start over. I want it all. I want, I want my family to be together forever. I want, my children to grow up in a, a community and faith that support them and, and provide true, meaningful, authorized hope. I want, I want my sons and daughters to <laughs> spend plenty of nights sleeping on the ground, going camping with the youth. I, I, want, I want them to worry and be concerned about people they would never meet in their normal life. I want them to learn to love the temple and the scriptures. <laughs> And to be all in to me means that I believe there is nothing that the Savior can ask of me that I wouldn't give. I hope that that's true and and want it to be true. But that that's kind of how I would say it is that I just, <laughs> I want it all and, and I'm ready to do what it takes. And I hope, I hope that my life and character can live up to that uh, desire. So <laughs> that's it for me. So well said. Yeah, he says, he says, I want that too. He just says it so much better than me. <laughs> I think, I think my version would be what it, what does it mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ is 
to have a, a, a strong relationship with the Savior that, like Chad said, I'm willing to do whatever is asked of me, whether it's, you know, taking care of Lucy or, you know, serving people that are around me or just anything that I, I can do that shows my love to the Savior. I really want to do that. Well, thank you. I don't know if that makes sense. But. It makes it makes perfect sense. And I think that that is exactly what you do. So thank you both so much for being willing to indulge me in this. And thank you for sharing Lucy with all of us. I am excited for more people to get to know her through this episode. Awesome. Thank you for having us. We are so grateful to Sharice and Chad Lunt for joining us on today's episode and for reminding us that there is so much to be grateful for in this life. Big thanks to Derek Campbell of Mix It Six Studios for his help with this episode and thank you for listening. We'll look forward to being with you again next week.